Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis Channel Live on the air on Championship Sunday in Canada. Camilla Georgie ranked 71 at the start of the week, leaves Canada with the biggest title of her career. And in Toronto, Daniil Medvedev, who was runner-up last go-round in Canada, finished the job today for his third title of the year and his fourth career Masters 1000 crown. Coming up on the show tonight, breaking news today, and it's not good news. Another surgery coming for Roger Federer. What does it mean for his season and for his career? We'll also look ahead at the next 1000 event, which is already underway in Cincinnati. And our panel puts a bow on the week with their top hot shots from north of the border. Hi, everybody. Lots to digest as we join you on Tennis Channel Live. Brett Haber alongside a couple of Hall of Famers. Lindsay Davenport is here in studio. Andy Roddick is joining us by Skype. Let's start with Medvedev and that victory. Andy, we saw how dominant he was on a hard court two years ago when he made those six finals in a row. We saw it again this week. Uh, how impressive was he to you? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he needs to prove his effectiveness on a hard court much longer. I mean, he, he's right there in the first couple of names that should be off of everyone's tongue when you're talking about the best hard court players in the world. Uh, his movement becomes better. Everything he does becomes better. And uh, I, I'm not sure that anyone had him breaking uh, Isner and Opelka seven times over the course of four sets uh, two days ago. <laughs> Pretty remarkable, and it's great to see him back playing his high-level tennis. We saw it a couple of years ago, and he took a few months where he wasn't playing his best. This time of year, this is really when you want to round into gear, especially if you're a hardcore player. He even said, he goes, I'm going to see how my body's feeling before making a big decision on Cincinnati. He now has the thought process of, I want to win a major, and why not the U.S. Open? That's really exciting to see, the evolution of him the last couple of years. Now he's been to a couple of major finals. Now next step is winning one. He's done all he can do at the Masters 1000 level. More on that match in a minute. But let's start with the women's final in Montreal. And it was Carolina Pliskova, 32nd career final for her, third this year, against 29-year-old Camilla Giorgi of Italy, ninth final for her. And before the week, you would come into this match thinking Pliskova is a huge favorite. But watching... Camilla Georgie through this week. She has been so good, Brett. And she has beaten Pliskova the last two times they played in the last six weeks or so. And it was Pliskova who faltered first, had a break point in that sixth game, didn't convert. And all of a sudden, very next game, it's Camilla Georgie with the first break of serve and frustration showing for Carolina Pliskova. Really surprising, the more experienced player. And she just was way too frustrated today. Unforced errors. And Camilla Georgie, Brett, can you imagine when this tournament started, we'd say would be the most consistent player. She plays high risk, but she has found her margin. Building points better than ever, being patient, waiting for the right shot to pull the trigger with. And she outserved Pliskova today. That was a huge surprise. Won more points on first and second serves and more aces. And there it goes, the biggest title of her career. 
third title overall for the Italian, her first since 2018. The other two that she won were at the 250 level, so she skipped 500, went straight to the thousands. These are the match stats, and Andy, Lindsay referred to it that she dominated serve stats, she dominated return stats, and in a first strike match like this, vital, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a career-changing match. I, I, if I'm being honest, I thought her performance against golf was pretty average. I thought Coco wasn't very good that day. Pagula, you could say, hey, you know, maybe she was worse for the wear of those two tough matches coming in. There was no doubt that she outperformed, outplayed, no excuses at all. Uh, got the better of Plishka today. It was super impressive. Her footwork looked a lot better this week than what I've seen before, right? Normally you see her firing from like awkward positions off of one foot falling away. It felt like every time she was in position, she would take a rip. If she wasn't in position with her feet, it felt like she'd laid back just a little bit. Big improvement. Yeah, one of my keys to the match going into it was for Georgie to manage her own service games. Well, that fell actually to Pliskova. She mm. actually had to face 10 break points in the match. Georgie, a much better job returning. She made almost 75% of her returns back into play against one of the biggest servers, and she only faced two break points, broken that one time. Really just an extraordinary performance for Georgie in the, really, Brett, the biggest match of her career. You love to see a player really rise to the occasion, and that's exactly what Georgie did today. And, and as we know, when you're 72 in the world at the start of the tournament, you come in unseated. You could play a seed right out of the gate. That's what Georgie had to do against Mertens, only dropped one set the entire way. Uh, what a week it was for her so many big wins and starting off against Mertens and then Kvitova, Goff, Pliskova. We've got five wins in the top 25. Wild. That's a big week. So uh, I'm sitting here talking to two power players and we've often talked about the fact that sometimes power players take a little bit longer than others to sort of learn how to harness their power, learn red light, green light decision making. Andy, is this what we're seeing with Georgie in real time, her sort of figuring out her power game maybe a little later than we would have hoped? Yeah, maybe. And confidence can do wonders. You know, I, I, I can't really relate to what you're saying because I didn't have knockout power on, on both sides. Lindsay did. She could take a line. She could hit a cross court. I kind of just shoved and ran after the serve. But, uh, you know, Geor Georgie, I, I, unbelievable the way she's able to have it come around so quickly. Uh, it could just and, and oftentimes, like when you when you have a different voice and you have it, they can say the same things, but just a different way. Right. And somehow it just clicks, even the way it's received, the way it's said, even if you've heard a version of it before, it just takes something to click. And this is a lot. This is why we play sports. Right. You, it doesn't matter who the favorite is. You got to go out, you lace them up and you got to put it in play. And credit to her. She did that this week. Again, I, listen, I, I would have probably bet against her almost every match of this tournament. What the hell do I know? She did a great job. <laughs> What the hell do we all know, yeah. right? And Camilla Georgie, she doesn't necessarily give tons in her interviews. So trying to figure out, so why do you believe in your shots more? I mean, they're always, when she would play, it was pull the trigger, first, second, maybe third shot. It was great to see the evolution this entire week. Okay, no problem. I'm going to hit five, six, seven shots. And more spin and a higher net clearance. And what a difference that makes. She still has the power, and she was still using it. It was remarkable to see her put that all together, build points, and use it at the right occasion. Power and margin. Yeah. Huh? What a great <laughs> recipe. She's figured it out. She'll move from the 70s into the 40s in the rankings. That'll change her next 12 months. Let's go to the men's final that you just saw finished here on Tennis Channel. Riley Opelka coming off the big upset yesterday against Steph Tsitsipas. First time in a Masters 1000 final. Medvedev had been here before, won here before, and Andy, he won again. Medvedev's patience, the ability to trust his movement. He's not scared to get in trouble in the corners because he knows he can recover. But his serve has improved. You look at his serve four years ago versus now, 
it, it's it's one of the best 10 serves in the world as, as, I, as I currently see it. And threading the needle on that return, on the break point, when you know you might only get one shot, unbelievable composure from Medvedev, shows his confidence level. And the way with the two-shot pass, I haven't seen anyone do it that well in a long time, where he's actually not scared to make the guy hit a volley and pass him the second ball. Uh, that doesn't leave a lot of options for Riley. And right here, he feels like he's going to have to force. He's putting the ball in the corners over and over, and he's not getting anywhere. Medvedev just keeps asking the question, and then somehow wins these type of points over and over in the frustration. See ya! Let's get that ball out of here. I don't want to see it anymore. Uh, you know, just he just constantly asks the question, makes that return deep, comes in, starts the point over, is able to get neutral, and Riley's going, here we are again. I'm in the sleeper hold, and I got to try to force something, but oh, by the way, this guy can pass also. The two-shot passing shot again, we've seen it before, and it's still impressive every single time. Sets him up for a match point, puts the ball, gets neutral off that first one, Riley forces Riley to make a decision. Oftentimes, it's not the right one. Uh, couldn't be more impressed with what Medvedev did today. So fourth Masters 1000 title for the Russian. Only the big three have more now among active players. Lindsay, here are the stats. Eight aces for Opelka. That's one of the lowest totals of his career. I mean, that has to be testimony to what an elite returner Medvedev is. Absolutely. His ability to put not only his racket on the returns, but finding a way to get them into play as well. But just even the service numbers, 63% only of first Oof. serve points won. That is very low for mm -hmm. Opelka. And on the other hand, Medvedev just taking care of his own service games. You know, there was a chance early on in that first set, Opelka had love 40, didn't get the break then, and it seemed like Medvedev really relaxed after that, played even better. But what we've seen from Medvedev the last two matches... That was just an incredible job neutralizing the two best serves in men's tennis. Andy, we've struggled for a while to sort of come up with a comp for Medvedev because of his size at 6'6 and the way he moves and retrieves from the back of the court. Did you come up with something today? I think I did. And as I'm watching the rallies and how the kind of points come together, I started feeling, gosh, how would I attack this guy? And a lot of the, the things that were going through my mind, you know, we, we want our comparisons to be to fit with like body profile. We want we want Dimitrov to play like Federer, right? The way he constructs points, keeping a cross court, asking the question, it's a lot like Leighton Hewitt. He doesn't overpower you at all. Hits to the big parts of the court, flows around the court, not scared to get in trouble, won't come in, won't force anything. None of these balls is within three feet of any line, yet he's still in control of the point. So I know he's 6'7", and Leighton was 5'11". I know that uh, Medvedev serves 130 and Leighton didn't, but if you look at the kind of point construction and what you have to do, you can hardly hurt Medvedev cross-court. You have to take it line on him to even bruise him in rallies, and that was the same thing with Leighton. I mean, it, it, on the surface, it sounds crazy, a 6'7 guy against one of the best movers at 5'10 in the history of the sport, but he does, he does move like a point guard, doesn't he? Yeah, it's great to see. I mean, so often you associate, okay, if you're tall, you're not quite as fast. Now you're starting to get players. Medvedev won that tall, handled their serve, serve great, and can also get to any ball on the court. It's going to be maybe a pattern we're going to see in the next 10 to 20 years. We, we, you know, when, when Magic Johnson played point guard at six foot nine, it revolutionized the sport, and it, it feels like maybe he is transitioning to big guys who can move really well. So uh, hats off to Medvedev. Uh, unfortunately, we have to segue to the breaking news that we mentioned at the top of the show. It is not good news, and it is that after holding out hope that Roger Federer might be back in time for the U.S. Open, he announced today that he needs another surgery on his knee, the same one that's given him trouble on and off for the last five years. This would be his fourth surgery on that right knee. Reports are that he 
injured it during this quarterfinal match against Hubert Hercotch at Wimbledon. He walked off there, perhaps not knowing it might be his last visit. Here's the emotional message Roger put out on social media today. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Roger here. I hope you're doing well. Uh, listen, I just wanted to update you or give you a bit of an update what's been going on since Wimbledon. As you can imagine, it's not been simple. Um, I've been doing a lot of checks with the doctors as well on my knee, getting all the information as I hurt myself further during the grass court season in Wimbledon, and it's just not the way to go forward. So unfortunately, they told me for the medium to long term uh, to feel better, I will need to will need surgery. So I decided to do it. I'll be on crutches for, for many weeks and then also uh, out of the game for many months. So it's going to be Difficult, of course, in some ways, but at the same time, uh, I know it's the right thing to do because I want to be healthy. I want to be running around later as well again. And I want to give myself um, a glimmer of hope also to return to the tour in some shape or form. Um, I am realistic. Don't get me wrong. I know how difficult it is at this age right now to, to do another surgery and, um, and try it. But uh, look, um, I want to be healthy and uh, I will go through the rehab process, I think, also with the goal um, while I'm still active, which I think is going to help me during this uh, this long period of time. So, also big thank you already now, maybe for all your messages that are going to be coming in, coming in because you guys are always incredible. You always think of me. Uh, some of you suffer with me. Uh, some of you just uh, wish me the best. I want to see me back on court or see me smile. I am doing okay, so I appreciate that. And I'll update you as I move along with my, my rehab. So, uh, I wish you all the best, and uh, I'll check in with you soon. Take care. Bye. A little bit of emotion coming from Roger Federer in that message. Andy, I heard the phrase glimmer of hope when he talked about his chances of coming back to the tour. And then he added, I am realistic given my age. What, what was your first reaction when you heard the news and heard that message? I mean, it, it feels inevitable at, at, at this point. And, you know, he's aware of what he was coming back from these previous two knee surgeries. He wasn't moving as well. He was maybe, uh, you know, a shadow of what uh, we know as Roger. He wasn't holding serve as much. So to add another knee surgery to that and then to have him come back again with that lost time, obviously he knows it's an uphill battle. I personally hope that he gets to come out and at least leave on his own terms. I don't care if he's as good as he, he once was, right? Like that, that's unimportant to me at this point. What's important is that he gets the goodbye that he wants. Uh, if he wants to say goodbye to the fans in person at a tournament, he should be able to do that. If he doesn't want to be a ceremonial player or play as someone who's less than what we expect, then he should be able to do that. We need patience. It's horrible to see the icons of the game go out because their bodies give out. But let's let's also face it, the guy's gotten to 40, you know, and, and his body's been amazing to this point in time. And one other thing that needs to be mentioned, it's one of the most amazing stats in sports history, and I, I don't say that with an ounce of hyperbole, he has never retired from a match. Yeah to this point. So we think about Hercotch and taking a beating 6-0 in the third when you have the ego of one of the all-time greats, but yet you're not going to take the moment away from someone else. That deserves respect. Lindsay, uh, that was tough to watch in mm. many ways. It, it was, and, and you hear, we know he's 40. That's going to be the fourth knee surgery. You, you had knee. four knee surgeries. Yeah, it, it does get easier. And it sounds like a more maybe complicated procedure. You start talking about crutches and, and non-weight bearing. That's a whole different ball game to try and recover from. You also heard him talk about just wanting to be okay 
for the, his part after his career. Yeah. And that's so he can obviously be active and be with his kids. He's obviously thinking a, a lot more big picture than just, oh, I want to be ready for the Australian Open or I want to be ready for Wimbledon next year. Seems pretty inevitable. I hope he gets, as Andy said, the chance to do it however he wants it to be done. But I, I think it's going to be tough for him to, to get back on a court, especially at a major three out of five sets. Andy, quick, on the getaway, you are so intrinsically linked with Roger, having played him in four Grand Slam finals. If this is the end, and we don't know if it is, what will you tell Hank and Stevie about this man that you had this amazing rivalry with? Oh, you made it emotional for me. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I hope I hope my son, if he has a, a hundredth of the success as Roger has, even one day of his life, is as gracious as Roger is, not only to the other players, to officials. You know, you, you, you live in locker rooms and you see people throw grip tape on the floor and they walk away. That was never Roger Federer, right? He, there was never a sense of entitlement. There was always a please. There was always a thank you. So forget about the tennis, right? Let's put that on the back burner. There's been a lot of great tennis players. There will be a lot of great tennis players. How he conducted himself when no one was watching is, is, is the takeaway that I'll have. That's a great button to put on this conversation, except for the fact that we all wish Roger well and health and speedy recovery. And, of course, we'll keep you posted as the process goes along. Much more to get to on this TC Live postgame show. Andy and Lindsay are going to give us their hot shots of the week. Plus, uh, there's a very good chance that Naomi Osaka and Coco Goff are going to meet again soon, like Wednesday soon. We'll look back at their memorable meetings so far. TC Live. Stay with us. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Queen City, Cincinnati, the mighty Ohio River in the background. One 1,000 event ends. The next one is already underway. Qualifying wrapped up today in Cincinnati. Uh, Lindsay, at the advice of your optometrist, we've gotten a more readable font for these <laughs> Cincinnati scores. Can you, can you see these? Oh, that's so good. How about Caroline Garcia? It was only a couple of years ago. She was in the top six, top seven in the world playing qualifying. But Layla Fernandez, also a very, very good player. Lauren Davis, American left in the last round on the women's side, going down to Shea Sue. All right, these qualifying draws in Cincinnati with the, the 56 draw, I mean, these are as good as some 500 events on tour, Andy. These are the men's results? Yeah, I, it's, I was shocked to see Kevin Anderson get through that one only because I had actually had to hit with him twice this week. So uh, <laughs> with that level of preparation, I'm shocked he got through it. Uh, we see Gasquet down there at the bottom left, still grinding, still going after it. A couple of good wins for Marcus Jerome. Tommy Paul, even at the expense of my tennis life star, Tennis Sandrin. Uh, Nishioka, always tough out. And uh, probably the most intriguing name on that, uh, as far as the future goes, is uh, Alcaraz getting through uh, pretty comfortably. I see a lot more of that in his future. 
Good company plug from Andy in the middle of a scoreboard. You're, you're getting the hang of this thing. Uh, top eight seeds get buys in Cincinnati. So instead of looking at first round matches, we're going to look at some potential second round matches, depending upon who gets through and some tasty ones here uh, on the men's side. Uh, Andy, any of these uh, stand out to you in particular? These are just a few, right? Crazy, huh? I mean, these are these are these are just rock star matchups. Obviously, we want to see how the Casper Rude. Maybe he took some notes. Maybe he goes way back on Opelka serve. Uh, I'm a huge fan uh, unabashedly against Seb Corda. We'll see how Stefanos recovers from the disappointing loss to Opelka the other day. Yannick Center is going to absolutely come out of his shoes every chance he gets. Is he going to get any of those chances against Big John? And uh, uphill sledding from a man, Andy Murray, is probably one of my favorite players. Uh, of, of my lifetime as far as watching. I don't know how to problem solve Hubie Hercotch and what he's bringing right now, though. So it's interesting to show Murray on the heels of the, the Federer news. Who, who knew that Murray may end up playing longer than, than Roger? But what do you think he's after at this point in his career, Lindsay, given the limitations on, on his hip and, and everything we know about that? Isn't that the beauty? Yeah. We don't know, yeah. and we don't care. That's for Andy to decide. What, what is he trying to achieve? I, Hard to know. I mean, he's even spoken about that. It's it's impossible, really, for him to win a major again. Seven matches, three out of five sets with all of his injuries and his hip. But he wants to keep playing. He has some kind of goal that's keeping him going. And give these guys so much credit for trying so hard and through so much adversity into ages we've never seen before play at this level to just keep on going and to keep wanting something. It's, it's always confusing to me with this with this Andy Murray situation because we always want to say, well, what's he doing it for? What's, all we ever talk about in, like, the sports stratosphere is the love of the game, right? We want people to have the love of the game. And then when someone comes out and basically just says, I'm playing for the love of the game, those miniature moments, we have question marks and we just can't understand it. Let the guy do what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, let him go out on his own terms. You, well, once you go, it's, it's very difficult to come back. We're happy for Andy. He's been such a great citizen of the sport. Let's look at the women's side and some potential second-rounders. Goodness, it's another embarrassment of Rich's here. Uh, the, you love these draws, especially going into the U.S. Open and so many amazing matchups. We've got to look at Coco Goff and Naomi Osaka. They've already played two huge matches at the Grand Slam level, one at the Australian Open, one at the U.S. Open. Simona Halep, who's coming back from that bad calf injury, she's trying to get some momentum, trying to get some more matches under her belt. Sloane Stevens, maybe she'll take on Muguruza, who won this tournament and a couple of years back. This is, this is one of my favorite tournaments, favorite stops, and fans are allowed back there. It's going to be awesome. That tournament, you can get so close to the courts, so close to the practice courts. Really fun for especially the next generation to really see these players up close. And everybody always talks about Indian Wells in Miami, and those are two amazing tournaments. But those are 96 draws where all 32 seeds get buys. Andy, these 56 draws, everybody's a, a, either a star or almost a star, and you get right to the meaty matchups in, in day one. You stole my line. I was going to say there's no, no problem with getting right to it. Uh, you know, it's a, there's roller coasters right across the street from that venue, and there's a lot of roller coasters in the first couple rounds there also. And credit to Cincinnati for, for listen, the, the, the venue was a little small for, for, you know, two tournaments to go on at the same time. What they've done with that facility as far as expanding and making awesome uh, places for, as Lindsay mentions, for people to watch practices and get close to the players, it's been very thoughtful, and it's, uh, it's a great stop on the tour. Uh, just want to circle back to that potential Osaka golf match if it happens. Obviously, they've had the two meetings at majors, very high-profile meeting at the U.S. Open. Um, what, what are you seeing from Coco that maybe suggests that she's ready to not only win this match but even make a deeper run? Uh, her on-court maturity it went up 
so much in the last year and, and having to deal with all the issues related to COVID, but also at the same time learning how she wants to play the game at, at right now still just 17 years of age, getting used to what it means to be a star and having that expectation. I'm actually more curious about Osaka. Mm. We've seen her one time, and that was at the Olympics playing tennis, and now we're going to see her back on a, at a WTA tournament having to deal with kind of those rigors. Um, we want the best for all of these players of going into the U.S. Open, and we'll see what kind of level they bring. But you know what? Coco Goff has to play Shea Suwei first. Tricky. Yep. It can never underestimate Shea. We, we, we talked about how the young players sometimes have a hard time dealing with these players with variety and spins. Andy, what, what's your thought on, on Coco and, and what you've seen from her and, and also sort of rounding out those serve problems that had become a, a really big issue last year? Yeah, so let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, at the end of last year, her serve was was anyone's guess. And you look at the serve statistics, she was in like one A's for eight double. It was, it was something bad. Like the, the ratios were not good. She kind of took her elbow a little bit out of the way, created a little bit more space. It's a little bit more free-flowing, creates a little bit more uh, margin on the second serve, uh, has kind of committed to a ball flight on the forehand a little bit more. Uh, what I would like to see is she gets her racket set kind of right by her here and then has one big, you know, kind of swing through the end. I'd almost like to see that preparation exaggerated and back a little bit more. We saw Georgie rush her through the forehand side time after time out after time. Osaka certainly has that capability too. Let's see what adjustments Coco's made. She's made amazing progress uh, with her tennis IQ so far in her career. Perhaps the best part of the Cincinnati tournament this year is the fact that um, it's in Cincinnati because yeah. last year it was in New York, which as I'm told, is not Cincinnati. Here's the schedule for coverage on Tennis Channel throughout the week at the Western and Southern. Day session on Tennis Channel starts at 11 a.m. Eastern. The family of regional sports networks adds in some other matches at 1 p.m. Eastern. Night session at 7. TC Live to follow and encore coverage overnight in case you miss anything. Back to wrap up this TC Live and our Canada coverage after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Taylor Townsend. I don't know how you don't watch that match with a smile. I've had a lot of people that have doubted me being able to like break through. A lot of haters. I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right things. And you keep your head down. You keep working. And you see what happens. This time she does it. And there is another major upset in the women's draw at this year's US Open. That was 2019 with Taylor Townsend. And the reason we're showing the video of her is that Lindsay, she's going to be joining us next week on TC Live and in the studio. Tomorrow. Yeah. Right here. We're psyched. Yeah, absolutely. It's been so fun to get the takes of some more recent players and some new blood around. It's been really exciting. And we're very excited to see Taylor tomorrow. We, we're just a couple days late on International Lefties Day to welcome Taylor into the studio. Andy, you're going <laughs> to help, uh, help her get adjusted? 
Taylor's awesome. She's going to have no problem. Uh, you know, she, she's super outgoing. I, I can't wait to see her take on things and get that. Uh, it's always fun to have a lefty brain in the room, room isn't it? <laughs> well, we could, we could use one because we got three righty brains right here. Uh, so, uh, Taylor, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Uh, this, by the way, Taylor Townsend was an amazing junior. Uh, was the biggest day of the year in junior tennis in America, Lindsay. The USTA Junior National Finals taking place today. The boys, obviously, in Kalamazoo. The girls in uh, California. Uh, take us through these girls' results, because this is a huge day for these champions. It's such a big week if you're an American junior. This is a week you're always looking forward to. Andy and I were discussing it a couple months back, and these are your national champions. These young kids put in so much hard work, the 12s, the 14s, 16s, and the 18s. Ashlyn Kruger, main draw wild card at 17 years of age to the U.S. Open. Tatum Evans will get a main draw in the juniors. A huge week for them. This is what every U.S. junior, this is what they train for to accomplish. So my hat goes off to all of these, the four girls champions and the boys champions as well. Spoken from a, a multiple champion at this event back in her junior days. Andy, on the boys' side, boys, Zach Zvida won the 18s two years ago as a 16-year-old, and he won them again today. Yeah, and, and by the way, when he got that wild card in the U.S. Open, normally it's like a ceremonial thing. You go in, you try your best, and it's cool to see. He was up two sets on Paolo Lorenzi, who's a, a really good veteran player from Italy. Almost won that match. Body let him down a little bit. But, you know, to, to echo what Lindsay said, you get these cool little go balls when you win these events. I'm sure Lindsay won way more than me. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, <laughs> but they can never take them away. They're always cool to have. I remember the thrill that I got uh, when you win one or two, and it's uh, it's awesome. And, and Zvita can play. Technically sound. Hopefully his serve's gotten a little better than 2019 in that match, but what a cool day in junior tennis in America. I, I wanted to ask both of you, having played in these events, about the pressure of that week at the zoo and, and in San Diego now. I mean, compared to even the pro events that you played, Grand Slams, I, I've been told from players that, that that's the sickest pressure in the universe, Andy. Yeah, no no doubt. Uh, I, I remember my first little little shot of uh, a life as a tennis player. You, 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 you walk in, I was the number one seed in 16s and like they announce you on center court <laughs> and they put the number one. There's like a player of the day and you're starting to feel a little something, but there's pressure. I remember going out for our first round where you're playing some guy who was like, you know, sixth in Missouri and you've been playing against the best players in the world for, you know, in, on the junior circuit and you're nervous. You're legit nervous to play in that event it's so cool at Kalamazoo what about the what about the women's ones Lindsay yeah it's also a great opportunity all of a sudden you're playing junior matches and you see like every college coach and you're very aware when you see that as well I mean not everybody is going to go on to the pros and so you've got a, a really big sense of how much it means but I I wanted to throw up in the finals of the 18s I was 15 <laughs> and I, I couldn't even like process it I remember coming off the court like I, I, am I going to play the U.S. Open in six weeks? It just seemed unreal. Just say it again. How old you were when you won the 18th? <laughs> Triple five, 15. How many did you win? I, I don't there was. You I, know. Yeah, yeah, I you don't know. know. I don't know. I she don't. won four I, of them, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure I won more than my husband, though, she, which is she, really well, annoying. That, that's it. Welcome to the Agassiz Groff <laughs> no, household. Who's the, best, who's the best tennis player in the house? You may have won less, but like, you're definitely better than John in tennis, Lindsay. Give me a break. I love John. Junior God, gold balls, Roddick. That's all I'm talking about. Uh, doubles. Double, uh, Jagger has one now, too, I think. <laughs>
Red Stadium in the background. That shot's actually from Kentucky shooting across the river. So happy to be back in Cincinnati after a year away. Tennis Channel coverage of the Western and Southern Open begins tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, and some coverage after this show tonight. Let's get into our hot shots of the week. Lindsay, what do you got? Oh, how can I not go with Monfils? Did you see this shot, everybody in the tennis world? He's up at net. Okay, he's going back. I'm going to fake him right here and still hit a winner tweener pass. That's pretty good. I dare you to come up with something better, Brett. Well, it's not my job to come up with something better. It's actually Andy's job to come up (laughs) with something better. We're going to first show a replay and show. Tries to fake out Isner with that one. And this was before Gael got totally PO'd in this match. Yeah, yeah, good point. So uh, he was really happy, and then he got really mad a little while later. So, okay, Andy, top that. Uh, I'm going to pay less attention to the point. You know what happens when Lindsay has proximity to our producers? She gets the actual best shot of the tournament, and then they say, pick one, even though you don't believe it's the best shot of the tournament. Sell you know, it. So proximity wins. Yeah, uh, okay, great. One one, one between her, that's great. Awesome. That was fantastic. Not nearly even close to Monfils's. I wanted to pick that one, but Huska said no. Lindsay you, already chose it, so here actually, we are. If you were here, Andy, in L.A., then you might have gotten the first choice. Listen, I get it. That's what I said. I'm not, I, I, I get it, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that was the best shot and point of the week when obviously it was that your was highlight, Lindsay. Way to sell it. He's all about integrity. He, he mm. won't sell it unless he believes in it. Guys, uh, it's been an excellent week. We're going to put a wrap on this TC Live and a wrap on Canada. Congrats to the champions, Camilla Georgie and Daniil Medvedev. You don't have to wait at all for Cincinnati to begin. The main draw is actually underway today. Doubles match live on Tennis Channel now and coming up in just a bit. Guido Pella against David Goffin, so enjoy that. Until then, for Lindsay and Andy and our entire Tennis Channel crew, thanks for being with us. Enjoy the Queen City.